Welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach in Adam. Hey, hey. How we doing, Zach? I'm doing okay. How are you sleeping? You know, uh, uh, sometimes I, uh, you know, I need to get tucked in. Uh, maybe need uh, a little story before I hit the sack. How about you? This ever happened um, to you? I'm I'm not a light sleeper. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, in fact. So I just kind of fall right right into my slumbers, um, personally. But my 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 baby boy, um, he does he does like bedtime stories. So I like to provide those from time to time. Now, do you have a tendency to you know, let's say, read from a book or ad lib entire stories based on things that have happened in your recent lives? Right now, we're going through a uh, Avengers storybook that he's very excited about. The last one had oh. illustrations by Ron Lim, with colors by Rochelle oh. Rosenberg. Oddly enough, wow! So, all right, good for very them. Get getting getting that good money. Yeah, I looked at that and said, "Oh, okay. Well, this doesn't look like Ron Lim, but I because he's drawing on model stuff, like yeah. specifically on a model. But like, okay, I get where this is coming from." <laughs> Well, uh, we are going to talk about uh, some some bedtime stories today, aren't we? That's the... yeah. We're going to talk about some fairy tales, guys. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cute, um, and we're doing that thanks to Logan Holmes because Logan went on over to Patreon.com/slash Xavier Files, and he said, "Y'all, can you please, 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 please handcraft me this bespoke podcast experience." <laughs> and that comes with some fresh ASMR content and a little sprinkling of Uncanny X Men 153, Kitty's Fairy Tale. Ah, Kitty's Fairy Tale. This is kind of like a, a time honored classic uh, in in the, uh, the the Claremont run. I always liked this issue. It's not a bad issue. It's a good refresher uh, for a lot of the stuff that ha- happened right before this. Uh, I mean, the last year or so of the book was right after Dark Phoenix Saga. So you had the end of Dark Phoenix Saga. You had Days of Future Past. You had the big epic I, Magneto, where Magneto almost kills Kitty. Uh, You have God Loves Man Kills at this time. So there's a lot happening. So Claremont decided that it was now time for something completely different. (laughs) Yeah, we get the Monty Python tagline on the cover, which I'm not quite sure I understand why you put that in there. But uh, hey, because this is completely different than the last issue of X-Men where Storm got her mind switched with Emma Frost and had to fight Emma Frost in her body, which since she's Storm is the perfect body, which is a rough opponent to go up against. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, And this is also uh, right before we get into the Brood Saga. So we're kind of, you know, like taking a little breather here in between some some pretty epic storylines. And we uh, have David Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein uh, joining Mr. Claremont. Dave (laughs) Cockrum! Dave Cockrum's a good artist, guys. I don't know if you know that. We're just going to get that right out here. Dave Cockrum, pretty good. Uh, And then Glennis 
Wine is doing the colors on this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like this. This seems like a warm up for the Nightcrawler mini, which we both adore. Oh, it 100% is. It sets up so much stuff in this. I get the feeling that Claremont had the rough idea that he wanted to do some sort of a quiet breather issue, which he did a lot of, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in his 17-year epic run on the book. And I think he I think he probably asked his good friend Dave, said, Dave, buddy, pal, what do you like? And he said, I like buckling swashes so much. <laughs> He sure does. And uh, the, the basic setup here is that uh, Ileana, who has not gone to limbo and been aged forward yet. Um, she's she still a baby. As- she can't fall asleep. Um, she's got her uh, fozzy stuffed animal. And um, Kitty is going to kind of recap some different things that have happened to the X-Men recently in a story adventure format. And uh, right off the bat, like, uh, ish, uh, I think it's pages, what is it, like four and five of, of this is a double page spread of a storybook opening up with the cast of characters and Colossus and Kitty in swashbuckling pirate gear, um, sort of clashing swords with all manner of people. Yeah, it's real pretty. Um, we get we get analogs for all of the X-Men as they go through this uh kind of recreation of the Dark Phoenix saga, but from Kitty's perspective, who's only heard about it. Remember, she was there for the start of the Dark Phoenix saga, uh, and she joined the team immediately after, but she misses the meat of it. Right. So, so... She, she barely knows she barely knows who Jean is in general. She saw, <laughs> hey, Jean screwed up that one chick real bad, and then apparently she like did a genocide and I'm going to her school now and they had this spare room. So I guess I'm sleeping in her old room now. It's wild. Yeah. That's a little creepy. Um, I don't think that's actually happening. (laughs) So it's not as much a a dark Phoenix uh, retelling as it is a chance for Kitty to sort of sneak in these fun ideas. Like um, the, the SR 71 blackbird is a dragon that um, is named Lockheed which is really cool because in the very next storyline, the actual purple Lockheed that we all know and love will come into the story. We get introduced to Banffs for the first time. Yeah, very small, very horny Nightcrawlers. More horny than Nightcrawler normally is. Uh, we also get the the version of Wolverine that pops up in the Nightcrawler mini. Um, the heck is Are you talking about it? the Fiend with no name? Yes, the Fiend with no name. It's just sort of like this grumpy little troll looking creature with a cigar sticking out of his mouth yeah he's he's kind of silly uh we get we get all of the x-men and they go on an adventure and they try and give uh the dark phoenix her soul back Mm -hmm. which is shown as the shiar like crystal matrix thing that uh contained all of the memories and stuff about gene yeah, it, uh, I guess it kind of goes well, um, because at the end, Cyclops and Jean are reunited. This has a happy ending. It does. It's interesting to see. It's it's a cute thing. All the X-Men are sitting outside the door listening to Kitty, who is 13 and a half years old right now, tell this story about how she thinks Colossus is really cute, and how... 
you know, she thinks that, you know, maybe this gene person wasn't so bad and she thinks everyone's kind of silly, uh, but, you know, she likes them. Yeah. And she's having fun with them. Yeah, I, I love that there's sort of the the innocent crush that's woven in throughout this. Um, there's also a bunch of little pop culture things. Um, I mentioned the the Muppets with with um, with Fozzie. Um, Kitty is also wearing an ElfQuest t-shirt. And there's also a little fairy um, that makes a little ElfQuest joke later in the issue, which I appreciate. As, is it? As, I didn't. I've not read ElfQuest. Oh, I have. I was a huge ElfQuest fan growing up. So... Um, yeah, I absolutely love seeing that because that, think- that was a popular book. You know, that was, that was one of the, uh, the indie titles that, um, I, I think Chris Claremont would have been really excited to promote and this is a good opportunity to do so. Yeah. When did Marvel start, uh, start publishing ElfQuest? That's a good that question. That would have been a couple years into it. Yeah. Um, I was buying the, the warp graphics, graphic novel reprints of it so i was reading it like well after even the marvel Mm -hmm. reprint stuff came out through epic um but i I would have to check to see if this is around the similar time because you're right there might be a a little bit of uh cross-brand synergy here i'm sure chris just liked it and they had the license did they have the muppets license at this time no that would have been later well, no, it's possible because we are in the early 80s here, right? So he, there is possibility that we could have the Star Comics license here, too, for, like, Muppet Babies. So, But honestly, there's stuff like this thrown throughout uh, X-Men that, you know, they never check with anybody to, like, <laughs> throw in a, a little cue to something else that they're a fan of. I agree. In the first issue of Star Comics, Muppet Babies was in 1985, written by Stan Cl- with art by Marie Seferin. Nice. Um, good for Marie. Yeah, so I think oh, once did, you throw in... She did a good chunk of, of the series. Yeah, once you throw in all of these all these fun elements, um, it, it makes for a really nice light breather, which you probably need in between these much heavier, much higher consequence storylines, epic storylines. It's fun. It works real well. Uh, it's a nice chance for everyone to get to, you know, get a refresher on the characters and how their new character sees them. Uh, I like it. I think that the highlights are Dave Cockrum's art. Mm-hmm. And the fact that some of this stuff, people were just so delighted by the concepts that they added it right into regular continuity. That said... Not all of the aspects hit, like Cyclops and Storm and uh, what's uh, his Professor name? Professor X. Professor X. They're nothing. They're they're nothing. Nobodies that don't need to be in this story. They're also strangely like wearing turbans, and I don't know. It's just yeah. They've they've got a lot of <laughs> they've got a lot of weird uh, like I don't know Arabic culture appropriation in there which i mean kitty is a 13 year old girl telling a fairy tale uh in the 80s i get it but still it's like hey that's that doesn't land as well now sure i mean there are artifacts from what kinds of stories kids were probably reading at that time um or or if i may what what chris claremont might have read you know um as a lad right famous famous aladdin fan chris claremont (laughs) So, uh, I don't know. I still think it's a lot of fun. 
And uh, why don't we uh, put it on our giant list? Our list, you say? Are you talking about our list that ranks every X-Men story of all time from best to worst, of which there are 390 stories? Whoa, we're getting close to 400 stories. That's crazy. We're on the road to 400, brother. Whoa. Uh, we have we have just a few episodes until we get there. Hold on. Let me see. One, here's three. Here's six. Here's nine. Oh, man. We were so close to if the New Mutants movie doesn't get canceled. <laughs> oh, man. Again, Come on. having Demon Bear be it's there. Gonna We've get, been planning it's gonna on doing Demon back. Bear for three years now. We know that New Mutants is going to get a sixth release date. It's just a matter of time. No, you've got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Like the number one story on our list is Dark Phoenix Saga. I don't know why you'd have to have faith for that. That seems weird. Uh, the number 100th story on our list is End of Grays. The number 200 story on this here list is the start of the purple era of X-Force. The number 300 story on our list here is X-Force Annual number two. That is, of course, the first appearance of Adam X, the Extreme. And 390's The Draco. I think this is better than uh, the Purple Era X-Force one at 200. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, f- I don't think it's better than End of Grace at 100. Yeah. Um, so we're, 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 we're somewhere in, in between one and 200 segment. here, right? We're in that quadrant of the list, yes. I think it's fair to say. I agree. Um, I still think this is fun. I still think this is a, a classic that I would put maybe somewhere around the same level as like at 149 on our list. We have uh, Twas the Night Before, which is a kitty centric story uh, about, you know, trying to uh, what what are those creatures called? The 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 the. Elves? No, 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 no. Um, the not, Santa? Not the brood. The um, the vamps? No. The, she's trying to escape the, the the monster guy from the backyard. You know. Oh, the, the Sidri hunters. No, no. The Nagari. The the the, 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 the. What'd you just say? Nagari, Nagari. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, twas the night before. Uncanny two thirty, which is at one forty nine. Got nothing to do with the Nagari. Who's in that? That's the one where Longshot uh, gives Christmas presents to all the good boys. Oh, gosh darn it. Okay. That's why I was saying Santa in Elves. Yeah, you were so right. You were right. Where do we have that I other one? I think this is better than that. I don't know. I don't know. Be. What is that? That's... Is that higher? That's higher. That's got to be higher. Demon. That's it. That's at 115. Okay. Okay, I don't think this is as good as Demon at 115, which is the story you're referring to. No, I don't think uh, it's... Which, as good i do think this is better than twas the night before though so we're we're moving up yes yes i do think it's better than twas the night before which is the aussie long shot christmas story uh i think this is better than 133 the story where kitty got pregnant with the brood absolutely um i would even i'm gonna go a little bit higher i think this is better than the first five issues of amazing x-men the quest for nightcrawler I'll agree, but it ain't better than the Assault on Weapon Plus. That was going to be my ceiling, so that would make this our new 125? <laughs> this will be our new 125. Uh, this is Kitty's Fairy Tale, a respectable showing yeah, for a bad. good comic. Uh, uh, and as we're going to see, this uh, may not be so easy to duplicate. It's not, because uh, the next one we have on our list is the X-Men Annual number 8. 
which is called The Adventures of Lockheed the Space Dragon and His Pet Girl Kitty. Did you just break a glass? No, that was my dog shaking her collar. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you just shattered a champagne glass. <laughs> no, she's just jingle jangling her jewelry over there, like like we if really need that. If it actually sounds like a champagne glass, we will keep this bit in. <laughs> um. All right. So who's who's our creative team here? Because this is different than what we uh, what we just had. Yeah, it's Chris Claremont with Steve Lealoa. Uh At the time, I believe Lealoa was doing. Uh, some good stuff on New Mutants mm-hmm. right around here. Uh, but he's not in this one. Oh, no, this is before his New Mutants. This is concurrent with Demon Bear. Oh, okay. So this is this is a bit before then, which is interesting because he, like, legitimately pulls off some Sienkiewicz-feeling inks and stuff in the first couple of pages here. Yeah, and you I, om- I imagine almost get the feel that, that, that maybe was... Bill like did some touch-ups here and there. I don't. I know. thought I thought Bill inked it when I first saw that. I was like, did Bill ink these ones? And he's not credited. Uh, and we know that Bill or that Steve Lealoa can do that kind of stuff and has done it uh, later on in his run on New Mutants. So I don't want to. I don't want to take any credit from him. No, I don't either. But it would not surprise me if, especially the first couple of pages, didn't turn out to be uh, uh, with a little bit of assist from Bill. Um, but we, we open with Wolverine telling this, you know, samurai story that I guess is supposed to be kind of a recap of his mini and Wolverine and Kitty Pride's mini. Um, and that we're in an interesting spot in continuity here. Like Colossus is, is still upset about Secret Wars. <laughs> um you know, uh, and Ileana basically just decides, hey, look, you know, a while back, Kitty decided to tell me a fairy tale. Now it's my turn. I'm going to try and one up her as they sit around this campfire. Um, Kitty's better at telling stories than the demon girl, though. Apparently, yes, thing. because this is more of a, uh, a Flash Gordon-y type space adventure. Yeah, it's too much um, is, I think, the problem. This is very long. This is an annual-sized thing, and Kitty's fairy tale worked because it was short, one-off fluff. This getting stretched out really doesn't help it. No, and I think the other weakness that we have here, because the the basic uh, story uh, centers around a version of, I guess it's Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, and Lockheed going after the White Queen um, in space, but... When we had Kitty's fairy tale, Kitty was making all of these fun little parody versions of the characters. Now here, the parody versions of, let's say, Wolverine, for instance, is just, oh, well, he's kind of metallic, but he's still called Wolverine. Like there's not, I I think one of the pleasures of uh, Kitty's fairy tale that we were just talking about was this idea that it kind of predated some of the future concepts that we would see in the book and enjoy. This doesn't have any of that. No, it doesn't have. It doesn't have a lot, and that's that's rough. Like this one's hard to talk about at length, like we do some of the other stories, because it's just this space story, and it's supposed to help Kitty come to terms with the fact that Colossus left her for a woman he never actually talked to. Mm. Um, 
and it doesn't <laughs> like that's the that's what we get from the end of this is is kitty sitting down with colossus and talking about uh zaji or whatever from secret wars right and it feels like Chris Claremont saying, well, Shooter wrote me into this mess. I guess I'll talk about <laughs> it in this annual, which I'm going to be, I mean, fair. He got the Colossus getting his comeuppance for that heck of a mistake. Uh, but he never got Kitty kind of not getting over it, but coming to terms with it, more or less. Uh, which I don't think Kitty had to come to terms and forgive Colossus because what Colossus did sucked. And was bad, and he's bad for doing it. I mean, the the idea that we need to tell this like forty page space story of very little consequence for that purpose does seem strange. You know what I mean? It it would probably have served this annual better if it had been in more bite sized chunks, um, and we had gotten more opportunities to hear like the Wolverine ver. you know, like the other idea of Kitty's fairy tale is that it's a recap issue. So I think instead of just having this sort of random inconsequential story, um, about fighting in space, uh, you know, it, it doesn't like an anthology issue. You're thinking it, it serves less of a purpose than Kitty's fairy tale does. It, it It's right. not recapping anything and it's not really setting anything up with, for the future because it's not even doing a good job laying out like themes for it. <laughs> no, because not at all. I guess the theme is hurt people, hurt people. Uh, and that Kitty should see why Colossus is hurting so much, but that doesn't work. And that doesn't really come through. It's, odd this is a weird one that chris did yeah and and i guess you know kitty's supposed to be um reinvigorated based on her like love of her friend pet dragon lockheed um who you know kind of like peter pan style she brings back from the brink of death with a tear uh, or at least that's what it appears as and you know like there is something a little bit odd about saying like oh here replace the heartache for your heart you know for your broken relationship with your pet it's i don't know like that's there's a lot for a story there's a lot that's not done well in this one uh it's weird i don't love it i also I also don't love Steve Lealoa's art in here. And this is something that you and me started talking about off air and you said, hold it, we've got to save this one. Well, you you mentioned this already that he kind of is doing this much more Sienkiewicz type inks on the uh, framing device for the story. But then once we get into the sci-fi story, it's it's much more of an angular, less ink heavy, more line work style. Um, you said you don't like this. I don't. To me, it feels very, very flat. I can see that he's, like, trying to get very specific shapes for all the characters, but it may be his line work, it may be the coloring, but there does not feel like there is any depth to any of these characters. And that could have been a stylistic choice. I know Leia Loa has done a lot better work that I've deeply enjoyed. This ain't it for me. I prefer the the bookends of the of the artwork. Um, I I don't dislike the artwork in the center. I think my only issue with it is that the shift, aside from it being inside the story and outside of the story, I don't know that it really serves much of a purpose. You know, 
Like no, it doesn't. When we go back to Kitty's fairy tale, Cockrum is not really changing his style. He's just changing what he's illustrating, and the you know the the style of his artwork pretty much remains the same whether he's in the story or outside of the story. Here, I think it it could have been an added touch, but it, I I don't think that the change in style really. Um, I don't know. I don't know that it adds to anything because there's not there's not much there you know, in terms of an actual story. Yeah, I'd argue it detracts from things. But that's just me. Okay, I don't know if I would go that far, but I, I just don't well, think agree that Steve Leiloa is, like, working with a... I don't think he's working with a lot. You know what I mean? When the coolest thing you can do in this this space tale is, like, give Storm a really, like, badass pair of sunglasses, that... <laughs> Like, he can still draw space stuff. Hold on. Yeah, I just I I, I would want more. So um, clearly, I don't think we like this as much as uh, Kitty's Fairy Tale. So where's this going on the list? I mean, it's n- I'm gonna ask this. Yeah, and maybe this is me being mean, but it's what I'm thinking about. Is this better than uh, the first Adam X the Extreme issue? <laughs> I don't know if it is. I, I it's at three. That's at three hundred and one right now. Because I'm looking around there. I don't think this is better than two ninety six. Those four or five issues of Claremont and Alan Davis Uncanny X Men, where Rachel turns into a dinosaur. No, and I'm looking around like I would much rather revisit something like Colossus Bloodline, which is at two ninety eight. Um, so, no, I think I think we're in the right area is this better or worse than the Muir Island saga at 306 we're getting close I think here's what I would say I would say that this is better than 313 uncan or alpha flight 106 but not as good as mm-hmm. new mutants volume one, 3 1 through 4 return of the legion I can get behind that. I think that's a good spot for it on the list. So this is going to be our new 313. This will be our new 313. Sorry, North Star. Uh, <laughs> you were in an important nope. issue, and we cannot we cannot emphasize that enough. The issue is not particularly good is the other problem that you have on that one. Yeah. All right. So we've done two quote-unquote fairy tales. Um, we have one more story though that's uh a little strange this one's a little bit different than the other two what's this yeah did you know that there was an entire book called x-men fairy tales and we chose specifically not to cover it because i didn't want to talk about it i didn't feel like talking about that uh cb sabalski fairy tale story that does open up with a japanese fairy tale shocking uh um, yes nobody you called an, a, an audible last episode. So instead, um, we are going to talk about a story that does have some magical qualities to it. Yeah, this is X-Men 30, The Warlock Wakes. Yes, and just so uh, no th- one's confused, we're talking about Volume 1, not Volume 2. Volume 1, uh, Uncanny X-Men in the numbering, number 30, but y'all yes. know. The Warlock Y'all Wakes. Who's the Warlock? About. That that sounds like a familiar character name. So this is a pretty early appearance of uh, of, of the Magus here, isn't it? And the Technarchy? Um, uh, no, see, you're thinking of... I think you're thinking of Adam Warlock, 
uh, also known as him, uh, one of the many space Jesuses and his uh, evil dark side, the Magus. Oh, no, no. I w- well, all right. So it's, this is not the robot and it's not Adam Warlock. So which Warlock are we talking about? Oh, this is Merlin, right? This is Merlin, the wizard from Excalibur uh, that no, runs the Starlight Citadel? No, not that Merlin with Roma and hanging out in the Citadel. This is a different warlock Merlin. Who is this guy? Uh, this is... <sighs> Deep breaths, Zach. Tell me who this oh is because it's kind of hilarious who they on this guy to be. So this is a guy who goes by the name... Uh, Mahayogi, uh, which is also an alias. He is a... Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm reading his Marvel Wakia, and I'm seeing some incredibly interesting new things that I didn't know. <laughs> he he was a Thor villain. Right. Uh, you know he's the chairman of the board of Merlin Industries? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the man Merlin... Uh, which I, it looks like is a Thor thing. Oh man! But he's Can not... you imagine what they make? They must make like really great pointy wizard hats. He does. He he <laughs> is dressed like a he is dressed like a birthday party wizard, like a Cliff Bart wizard. Uh, he's from uh, he's from Chimeria. Uh, you know, you know where Samaria is. Yeah, that's you know that's that's the Conan, uh, the barbarian universe, isn't it? Yes, yes, from the Hyborian age. <laughs> uh, so he's from a Conan somehow, and he's an alien, and he ended up coming to regular our Earth, and fought Ulysses Bloodstone for a little bit, and then he thought fought Thor. And now he's pretending to be a guy called the Warlock, uh, who's actually Merlin, but he's not the right Merlin. He's not the good Merlin that the X-Men normally deal with. He's a different Merlin, not the one that dealt with King Arthur and all of his wild adventures. Uh, And he's bad. Man. And I do hate him. Man, everything you just said, (laughs) everything we just talked about is so much more interesting than this issue. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing we forget about Silver Age Marvel <laughs> comics. They were just doing things. And then other writers were like, oh, you, Roy Thomas and uh, guest artist Jack Sparling, you didn't do this one as good as we thought, and you kind of wasted Frankenstein. Uh, so we're going to have to redo this so that we can have a real Frankenstein who doesn't suck and isn't a robot. That's in a different issue. Yeah. Um, the art here is pretty bad. Uh, the, I, I, he doesn't draw hands that bad because the first couple pages are the X-Men following a hand through a tunnel of light. Um, I guess they just got attacked in the danger room. That's what it says in the, in the dialogue bubble, in the uh, little exposition <laughs> block at the top. Yes. Um, but then they all get separated and Gene and the professor are taken on a magical ride with some unicorn winged unicorns um uh, they're called alicorns if my time as a fan of my little pony friendship is magic a time i do deeply regret uh is telling me anything um now 
far for the alicorns to be uh, outdone, though, I do believe that the star of this issue is the winged mopeds, which they, they then transfer to because they are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the warlock is not just about magic. He said, well, technology is pretty neat, too. So I'm also going to do some of that. Yeah. And he's got basically an army of, uh, I guess, former criminal thugs with Tommy guns that are in Look, an underground cave slash castle. Man, I can't actually tell you what his plot is. I think he wants to take over the world. He sure um, does. Roy Thomas. Can I wait? Can we, can we pause for a second? Um, I yes. just want to note that what Merlin's scheme in here is is the same as one of the um, the Dogman books. So, <laughs> as I was you reading mean the this, books that are, the books the books that are diegetically written by the the starring the children kids? from Captain mm-hmm. Underpants. Yes, the, yes. The books that are I guess set in the town that's ten minutes down the road from me. Yes. So, so Dogman, there's a book that the, my daughter loves this book. I can't remember the name of it, but um, it's one of the Dogman books. He, his villain is this cat. And there's one issue of, of the book where the cat decides to take everyone's books. That's his master plan to make everybody in the world stupid. And it is... Is this Dogman and Tale of Two Kitties? I think it might be. Yeah. And everybody on Earth gets dumb. And that's basically what Merlin's plan is here. <laughs> He's basically going to like make everybody in the world dumb so that he can rule the world. Because <laughs> as I was reading it, I was like, this is so similar to Dogman. <laughs> it's bad plan, have you, Merlin. Have you ever... Have, have you ever read the Wikipedia article for Dogman? No, should I? What am I going to find They're written very bad. I'm just going to give you a few things that jumps around uh, in my mind. Dogman Unleashed is the second book in the series. It was released on January 3rd, 2017. It revolves around Dogman in a battle with Flatty Pete and Flippy, a psychokinetic butterfly fish that eats people. (laughs) I have to say... Dogman Brawl of the Wild. It revolves around Dogman being framed by the fleas. Dogman for whom the ball rolls. It revolves around Dogman's former obsession, balls, becoming his greatest sphere. If you've never read Dogman and you're listening to this show, go read some Dogman. Like, there's a reason kids love it. It's really good and funny. It's very, very fun. Anyway, um, Dogman is always going to be way better than what... I used to read Captain Underpants when I was a child. Those are Uh, great. Those are great, too. Um... Yeah, this issue is just a mess. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you really what it what the issue is about. Jean has no agency here. She's basically being drug around uh, by Warlock Merlin for like the majority of the issue under some form of mind control, which makes no sense. Uh, and the she only gets at some point to like control her powers for maybe like a page. Um, and it's to throw some rocks away from the boys. You know, I know we often talk about who the worst X-Men writer ever is. It is Chuck Austin. But a strong second, (laughs) a strong and competitive second, a good case could be made that Roy the Boy Thomas is actually the second worst X-Men writer of all time. It's... I mean, you know how they... Tell them how they defeat the Warlock. 
This is ridiculous. Adam, I legitimately don't remember. Does the, Professor X mind wipe him? No. The beast puts his cape over his head. That's how they beat him. That's how they beat the, the bad guy in this issue from conquering the world. Is the beast reaches behind him, grabs his cape, and gives him a cape wedgie. <laughs> That's how they win. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this one's bad. Guys, More ridiculous guys. is that Charles Xavier flies away on one of these winged mopeds and we never see it again, which is a crime against comics. I mean, it's a bad moped is the thing. I do. I, I, he shouldn't drive that around. I feel like someone made fun of him and he said, <laughs> okay, no, you're making some really good points here. I don't know. I think it's cooler than the hover chair. This is a bad issue. Where should it go on our master list? What? The hover? Adam, the hover chair. The hover chair that it's my biggest complaint about the Dawn of X is that <laughs> Professor Xavier is not in the hover chair. Hey, man. Can you imagine the House of X cover? Doesn't matter. Can you imagine the House of X cover if he was confidently sitting in his hover chair flying towards the screen? It would be so good. Here's what I'll say. If we're going to have another hover chair, you got to redesign the hover chair. You can't just make it into a gold lozenge. I want next level Dawn of X hover chair. All right. So you want like a Tom Moeller design yes. aesthetic to the hover chair. I need it inspired. You want the hover chair to say like like prof in Helvetica on the license plate? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. A Helvetica license plate. <laughs> hold on, let me hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me take let me take another pass at that one. Let me let me get another one just for posterity on this. Yeah. You want the professor to have a uh, Havelica license plate, vanity plate, on the back of this that does say wheels. <laughs> Let me try one more. You want the professor to have one that does say, I'm not actually a supervillain. Stop guessing this. <laughs> Guys, just take the story as it is. <laughs> With an Illuminati bumper sticker. I think... Th- <laughs> Yes, we want all of these things. And then, of course, the chair turns out to be Warlock. All right, where's this going on the list? But not this Warlock. Not this Warlock, who's also Merlin, who's also Yogi Mahi. Hey, wait, wait. Is Warlock the Magus of the Technarchy now? I don't actually... I just know he's Doug's arm. I don't know what's up with Warlock. That's all I got. He is Doug's arm. He's Doug's arm. That's all I got. And he's... It's funny. They weren't They weren't hiding that from us. No. At all, either. It was just Doug's arm. And then they confirmed, hi, I'm secretly Doug's arm. <laughs> and we all just were like, yep. how did we not already just assume that, that? We thought he was just infected. Nope, that's just our buddy Warlock. He is. Good boy. Just hanging out. Um, our very good boy. I'm going to say, all right, so we have at 370... Uh, another Roy Thomas story, which was the Aussie uh, X-Men tale that he told in Marvel Superheroes Quarterly. This is worse than that. I also think this is worse than 373, which was the first time that the X-Men and the Avengers came to uh, blows there. So how low do you want to go here? It's 
on par with X Factor Special Prisoner of Love by Jim Starlin at 378. It sure is. Uh, I don't think it drew my ire as much as 379, which was Storm the Arena from Extreme the X-Men. So is this our new 379? Yeah. Yeah, it is. At least Prisoner of Love was trying to say something. It failed. It failed spectacularly, in fact. But they <laughs> were trying. That one's a real doozy. Uh, but yeah, you can you could skip X Men Thirty. That's and and not the the wedding issue. I mean, Silver Age X Men Thirty. Just you could skip that. Well, what you can't skip is thanking Logan Holmes for giving us this 40-odd minutes of podcasting, because Logan went over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom, and he, he dug deep into his hearts and his pocketbook, and he said, guys, I want you to talk about this stuff, and if you want to be like Logan, for as little as $2 a month, you can join join our posse, join our pals, and we'll... If you listen to these late enough at night, you can use these as your own personal bedtime stories, your Aww. own your own your own special fairy tales <laughs> that if you give us money, we will say to you into your ear holes. Can you imagine someone falling asleep to us? That's almost creepy. <laughs> Adam, you can't say that. There's people who listen to this before bed. That's a common thing people do with podcasts. Wow. Everyone, Adam, Adam, say you're sorry. Listen, I'm sorry, and I'm also, if you are actually doing that, I'm honored. I really am. I I, I just can't. My humble brain can't handle that. Uh, Logan, thank you. Zach, what's going on over at Xavier Files? Over at Xavier Files, uh, we, we have been merging with uh, WMQ Comics over the last little bit. That content is rolling out, Woo-hoo. and it's been a blast. I talked about Sonic the Hedgehog this week. <laughs> I talked about uh, what the best X Factor team ever was, uh, and which was mostly me making fun of Peter David for a while, uh, which I always enjoy. Deserved. Look, Peter David wrote a lot of X Factor. He wrote a lot of very good X Factor. Peter David deserves every bit of making fun of him that he ever gets. <laughs> no amount of bullying is too much for Peter David, this grown adult man. Uh, and then, you know, I'm doing this podcast with my good friend, Adam. Oh, and where can people find you uh, on social media? Don't just go to the Xavier files, Twitter. <laughs> I still run it. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to treat that Twitter as a, we and not an I. It thing. very much is now. I, I think you've made that transition nicely. I'm working so hard to just put all my inane ramblings on my secret private account that none of you are allowed to find. (laughs) Uh, Don't even try. Y'all have to understand the last person I invite or I allowed to join that secret private account was a comic book creator who's also a friend. Uh, and they just didn't know about it. And I said, yes, you can be in it, but I am going to have to cut five people from my list of people who are allowed to see it to make up for this one person <laughs> coming in. I'm trying to, I made it public to start and that was too many. And I'm, I'm currently bleeding it down. It's odd. The difference between how I approach that Twitter account and how I approach the Xavier Files Media Empire Twitter account is I want the numbers of followers on the Xavier Files Media Empire to go up. up. I do want the ones on private to go down. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, my account is still public. If anybody would like to follow, it's <laughs> at Arthur Stacy. 
Zach, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are going to talk about this thing that I am pulling up right now, and it is called... Oh, we're going to go to hell. Yeah, this is uh, New Mutants. Follow the New Mutants, but not follow the mutants. No, this is follow the New Mutants. This is follow the New Mutants. And we're going to do a couple of other stories that are hell-adjacent, hell-based. Yeah. Uh... Halicious. We're gonna have hella, hella cool. fun. We we is gonna have hella fun. Uh but until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom. We so hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta do another take of that one. I gotta do another one. Until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!